This morning, if you have your Bible, and I pray that you do, if you would take it and turn with me to Psalm 107, Psalm 107 this morning in the precious Word of God, and I'll tell you, I'm already encouraged this morning just by the opportunity to sing and, and to worship together, and uh, I'll tell you, it is so good uh, for me to see each and every one of you this morning. Again, I pray uh, that you had a great Thanksgiving, and uh, uh, Byler family, it's good to see you guys. Bless your heart, and got kids running left and right and all over the place, but it's good to see you guys, and, and over here, it's good to see uh, the college boy up from George Mason here in the house, and uh, hopefully we'll see some baseball this year, and uh, that would be great, uh, but it's good to see uh, Miss Margie today, and if you didn't notice, Margie is in the house in the back, and uh, it's blessing. It's a blessing to see her out of her cocoon and here in the Lord's house. She's like, yes, I'm out of the cocoon. And so it's good to be in the Lord's house. Psalm 107 this morning in the precious Word of God. And I want us to begin by looking at the first three verses, and then we'll go back and we'll uh, have a word of prayer and keep going this morning. I want to speak to you quite honestly on the subject, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's a great subject, amen? amen. That's something I think every one of us can get behind. Uh, and that's the idea of praising the Lord. Look at Psalm 107. The Bible begins by saying, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good. Just stop right there for a second and think about it. 2020 has been crazy. I mean, the Washington football team beat the Cowboys twice. I mean, it's crazy. The things that are taking place in 2020, but I'm thankful. <laughs> I'm sorry, Cowboy fans. Um... The team without a name beat you twice. Wow, that's something else. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good. Look at the last part of that verse. For His mercy endureth for how long? Forever and ever and ever. And after we finish the service, He'll still, His mercy will still be enduring. Look at verse number 2. It says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. That means that we have to actually move our mouths, operate our lips, and make a sound. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy, and gathered them out of the lands from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity to gather, to sing praises unto Your name. And Lord, just to be reminded this morning that we ought to praise the Lord. God, I thank You for this church family. I thank You for how You've wrapped Your loving arms of protection about us, even in a season such as 2020. Lord, we're moving forward and looking upward and onward to what You have for us. Lord, in the coming days, God, I pray that we will fall more in love with You and more in love with Your Word, and more in love with one another, because, Lord, Your honor is at stake. And so, Lord, help us to do that which brings You that honor and glory that You so richly deserve. Lord, I pray that today that if there's somebody in our midst watching online or here in this room that cannot honestly say they praise the Lord, I pray that You would break their hearts today, that they might enter into that greatest relationship of all, where praise would become a natural habit. Lord, I pray for the one who may have strayed this season of thanksgiving, that you might draw them back to the foot of the cross, where they might not only 
be restored, but Lord, that they might be able to fall more in love with you once again. Lord, I pray that you'll have your will and your way during this time as we look at what your word has to say and the illustrations that you provide for us here today. Lord, we love you and we thank you for what you'll do, for it's in Jesus' precious name and for his sake that we pray, amen and amen. Well, obviously, if you look at this psalm as we begin, the theme of this psalm is thanksgiving. And if you were to read the entire psalm, and we'll work our way through many of the verses, but if you were to read it, it's poetic in nature, it really is. And honestly, this psalm, although speaking to a different group of people, of a different group of people, it speaks to us this morning as well. It's a call. It's a reminder, if you please, for you and I, the people of God, to praise the Lord. It's a call and a reminder for us to praise the Lord for His goodness and mercy. In fact, look at verse 2 again. It says, And let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. And what we need to understand is contextually, this, this passage here is no doubt, it's alluding to those who had been rescued, i.e. those who had been delivered uh, from captivity in Babylon. But my friends, as you and I look at it, I also believe this, rever- this verse actually serves as a great reminder. A great reminder for all of us. If you're a Christian here today, if you're a blood-bought Christian here today, it serves as a great reminder to us who have been redeemed, who have been delivered or rescued. By the way, that word redeemed alludes to the idea of being delivered, rescued, or, or ransomed, if you please. That's good news. That's good news that I've been rescued and ransomed. And so if you're saved, and as my soteriology professor used to say, he said, you're headed for heaven and you can't help it. You've been sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise, young man. That's what he used to tell us when we first walked into class. He said, you're headed for heaven and you can't help it. I was like, what? What did he just say? He said, if you don't learn anything else, learn that. Oh man, when we think about being saved and headed for heaven, it's only because once upon a time, in a land not so far, far away, Jesus died on an old rugged cross. He suffered the penalty that I deserve. He suffered the shame, he suffered and died and endured the awful wrath of God. And folks, I don't know about you, but that's more than enough reasons for us to get together on Sundays and praise the Lord when we think about what he has done. In verse number one, the psalmist says, give thanks unto the Lord. Now that phrase, if you look at it in verse one, that phrase give thanks is the idea. Now this is going to get some of you nervous because that idea, you see, I unbuttoned my coat because that idea of uh, of giving thanks is this idea of extending our hands. Uh-oh. Did pastor just go Baptocostal? He said he 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 said extend the hands. That's what it actually alludes to. It it's the idea of extending our hands in praise and glory to who? God. That's what it talks about. Oh give thanks unto the Lord. I know some of you are a bit shy. I recognize that. Some of you were a bit shy. I bet back in grade school, you, you were the child that didn't even want to raise your hand to go to the restroom. But your teacher said, if you're going to go to the restroom, you've got to raise your hand. I'm being a little facetious. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good. His mercy endureth forever. Oh, my friends. Oh, listen. It's a great time to give praise to God. In fact, if you look at verse 1 again, It says, for he is good. Do you know that that word good 
in the Hebrew actually speaks about the fact that our God, watch this, He's beautiful. He's best. I I took away, I I put he's beautiful and better than anything we could imagine. But no, let's just not stop it better than anything. He's best. He's beautiful. He's best. Our God is gracious. Our God is kind. He's kind. He shows kindness to each and every one of us every day. Lamentation says his mercies are new every day. Oh, my friends, he's a loving God. He's a sweet God. That's just who he is. And if you look at uh, the end of verse number one, it also speaks of his mercy. And so as we see, God did not forsake. If you read this psalm, you're going to find out that God didn't forsake his children in the midst of their woes and in the midst of their sinfulness. No, even it's like that song Waymaker. Even when you don't see it, he's working. Even when you don't feel it, he's working. That's exactly what he was doing. And we didn't connect the song with what I was preaching But you don't even know that he's working, but he's in the background working all things out for good to them that love God and to them that are called according to his purpose. Oh, my friends, these people who are recognized as we see this historical lesson, God was working in their midst to bring about restoration and healing. And can I tell you, that's what he does in your life and in my life. He wants to work out whatever is necessary to bring about restoration and healing. Someone has said it this way. They said the history of God's past is a record of continuous mercies while the history of man's is one of continuous sin. Think about this. The history of God's past is a record of continuous mercies while the history of man's is one of continuous sin. Folks, even as as Colby was praying at the end, he didn't even know this was in my notes, but with that type of history, the mere fact, the mere fact that God allows us to praise Him, to give honor and glory to Him is an amazing thing. Oh, what a Savior. And in our text, the psalmist will associate the history of the people at that time as the Lord, as the Holy Spirit is leading this, this psalmist to write, he associates the history of the people in a number of different ways. In the first few verses, in verses 4 to 9, he associates the history of the people as being lost in the wilderness. And then we'll see in verses 10 and following, he associates the history of the people with being locked up like prisoners. And then also uh, uh, lying sick on their deathbed will come next. And then also the final instance that you see in the illustration of this psalm is that of like, Those who labor in the deep. The idea of laboring in the midst of stormy seas. And I'm not sure about you, but as I think about those categories, it sounds an awful lot like my journey of life. Lost in the wilderness. Sometimes feeling locked up like a prisoner. Sometimes lying sick on my proverbial deathbed. And sometimes like like those disciples of old, rowing the boat in the midst of a storm. Going nowhere. Have you ever been out in a, in a rowboat or a canoe? And it doesn't even have to be a storm. If you're not adept at rowing that canoe or that boat, I, I heard tell of a story of someone. In fact, I won't tell who told me this story. They were in a paddle boat, and that thing just kept on going around and around and around and around. Can you imagine rowing a boat and just going in circles? Have you ever felt like that before? 
These are the illustrations that we find here in our text. But in every instance throughout this psalm, what I find is not only, by the way, not only does God allow the people, you're going to see it and you're going to be like, wow, what kind of God is this? You're telling me he's good, he's mercy endures forever. Not only will you see that God allows them to suffer the consequences of their sin, hello, that's the, the principle of sowing and reaping, but you'll also see in the background, God is working, God is moving in their midst, and he's He's waiting to see if they will call on Him so that He can deliver them when they call out by faith. And oddly enough, all four of these illustrations by the psalmist, to be honest, they show us that our great God, not then, not only then, but now is still all-powerful. Not only was He then able to deliver them, not only then was He able to rescue them, but can I tell you, can I encourage you? He's able to do that today. If you feel lost in the wilderness, if you feel like you locked yourself up like a prisoner, if you feel like you're sick and lying on your proverbial deathbed, if you feel like you're toiling out in the midst of a tumultuous and stormy sea, can I tell you that God not only wants, not only can, but He wants to deliver you this morning. And so let's look at these illustrations together. Notice with me if you're a note taker, first of all, we praise the Lord. We praise the Lord because He still rescues those who are lost in the wilderness. Look at verses 4 and 5. Because right away you see the illustrated problem of the people. And notice it says they wandered. (laughs) They wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in. Look at verse number 5. It says, hungry and thirsty. Have you ever felt hungry and thirsty? Now watch this type of hunger and thirst. It says, hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. That's a different type of hunger and thirst. In fact, what this reminds me is that they were obviously not hungry and thirsty for righteousness because Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6 that if you hunger and thirst after righteousness, you're actually going to be filled. So there would be no reason for the soul to faint in themselves. But notice, I want you to notice the word wandered. You see the word wandered in the Hebrew actually means to vacillate. That is to reel or to stray. I.e., it means this, to go astray, to error or to stagger. Now hold on to the thought of staggering because you're going to see that here in just a little bit. But think about this. Think about how helpless you might feel. If you're traveling through the deserts of Arabia, Anybody ever been there? Not proverbially, but but in reality. In the deserts of Arabia, the sand flies all over. Can you imagine wandering in the wilderness, sand hitting you in the face, you can't see where you're going, the little road or the path that you were on is now covered, and you're just wandering, 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 finding no city, finding no rest, finding no help, finding no shelter, finding no food, finding nothing whatsoever. This is the picture that the psalmist is giving us. You see, the situation in this text is is desperate. The people in in these two short verses, they're all alone. They're weak and their strength is nearly gone. Anybody ever felt like that? You You ever felt like your strength is almost gone? Let me ask a question. Am I the only one? I mean, I know sometimes I feel like I'm the only one. Has it ever been hard for you to get out of bed in the morning? Thank you, Ernie and Margie. (laughs) 
See, I like Margie being back. She participates, right? Has it ever been hard to get out of bed? Some of you just don't want to fess up. I see you looking at me cross-eyed like I wish he'd just move on. I've, at times, I've felt like I don't want to get up. Some of those times have been on Sunday mornings. To be honest with you, there have been a few Sunday mornings over the past seven years that I've wanted to have a little screen, little TV monitor just put on the, on the pulpit and said, Hey folks, Pastor Greg here in my PJs. Hope you guys have a good day. Mike, you just go ahead and read my message. Sometimes, sometimes we feel weak. Sometimes we feel lost. In fact, there may be someone here in this room, there may be somebody watching online who feels a little bit or maybe a lot lost even today. You may have come into the Lord's house not understanding what the Lord had for you, but maybe you're here and you're feeling a little bit lost. Maybe you're feeling a lot lost and you're not real sure how you're going to make your way out of the wilderness, but can I tell you that God has something far greater from, for you than to just allow you to simply wander in the wilderness wander aimlessly throughout life. Oh, listen. Look at what the people did. Here's what they did. Look at verse 6. They find themselves hungry and thirsty. So it says, Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble. In other words, they prayed. They actually prayed. Isn't that crazy? It's a novel thought that when they were in their trouble, when they were faced with distressing times, when they needed to be delivered, they didn't just sit there and make veiled promises. They actually cried out to the Lord. If you're lost or you feel like you've been wandering in the wilderness, can I tell you that prayer is one of the places where you will begin to find help? You see, because a lot of people say, well, I don't pray because I don't ever hear God answering. Well, is there something that's disconnecting your prayer life with God? Because you see, sometimes God's answer is no. See, sometimes we pray because we ask amiss that we can consume it upon our lusts. We have desires, right? And I always talk about desires, actions, consequences. And sometimes we ask God for things that God has no desire to give us. But we're just stubborn like that, aren't we? None of you have been stubborn. God, I want this. And God says, nope. God, just do it. And God says, come on, okay, no. God, I'm going to do it whether you like it or not. And God says, go ahead. See how that works out for you. And then when we're humbled, when we're brought low, we come back and we say, oh, God, what was I thinking? And God says, I told you three times, no. What is the problem? Do you not listen? And then we cry that God never speaks to us. Oh, my friends. Prayer is so powerful. Remember, it was the Lord who told Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, in Jeremiah 33.3, 3, he said, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Oh, my friends, Psalm 102, in verse number 17, the Bible says, He will regard the prayer of the destitute. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Say, oh, pastor, he's talking about the poor. Well, just hold on. It says, he will regard the prayer of the destitute and not despise their prayer. 
Folks, can I tell you that the destitute person is not simply a poor person, but can also be someone who is destitute of help, protection, and defense. And if I'm lost in the wilderness, I'm guessing I feel a little bit destitute. So God says, hey, listen, how about just ask me? How about just direct your desire towards me? If you'll seek me first in the kingdom of God, then all these things will be added unto you. All the things that you think you have need of. Oh, just ask me. Jesus declares in Matthew 21 and verse number 22, He says, and all things, I love the word all in the Greek because guess what? It means all. He says, in all things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing, notice the necessity of faith, you shall receive. In Philippians 4, a couple of verses that seem like they're over and over and overkill. The Bible says in verse number 6, it says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Look at verse 7, And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now go back to verse number 6. Because see, sometimes we miss it. It says, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with? That alludes to praise. Hello, praise the Lord. While you're asking Him to do something, how about offer up a little bit of praise? You know, I used to sing a song years ago, when the praises go up, the power comes down. The Holy Ghost of heaven moving all around. Oh, listen, it's amazing if we'll just praise the Lord what will begin to take place. In verses 6 and 7, notice back in, our, in the psalm, it says they prayed and the Lord answered. Look at ver the end of verse 6. It says, and He delivered them out of their distresses. But look at verse 7. And He led them forth by the right way that they might go into a city of habitation. Remember, they found no city. They found no help. They found no food. They found no rest. They were hungry and they thirsted. Their soul was fainting. And notice what God does. He leads them forth by the right way. Hmm. The right way. That's a question for 2020. What is the right way? Well, the Bible says there's a way which seems right unto a man, but the ways thereof are the ways of death. God says I, he led him by the right way that they might go into a city of habitation. Folks, when we sincerely pray to God, He supernaturally provides. You may recall it was David who said in Psalm 40, in verses 1 and following, he said, I waited patiently for the Lord and He inclined unto me. And watch what he says. And He heard my cry. Look at verse number 2. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit and out of the miry clay and He set my feet upon a rock and established my going. And because He did all these things, notice what David says, He put a new song in my mouth. Even the praise of our God. Listen, if Jesus is on the inside, praise ought to be coming off the outside. Uh-oh. How often do we praise the Lord? We're hey, we're quick to throw barbs at one another. We're quick to condemn one another. We're quick to, to get angry when God doesn't do what we think He ought to do at the moment we think He should do it. But how often do we praise the Lord? Oh, listen, we may still have some tough roads ahead to travel. Some of us have some tough roads ahead to travel. 
But I got good news for you. I know that my Redeemer lives. He's not dead. He's alive. And he lives forevermore. I hope that you understand that. Listen, he's brought me safely thus far, and I know that he's going to safely lead me home. So as our Lord answers and brings us in from the wandering in the wilderness, what should our response be? Well, look at verse 8. It says, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. Look at verse 9. For He satisfieth the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. I love verse 8 because it says, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness. Notice the word would. It doesn't say, Oh, that men could praise the Lord or Oh, that men should praise the Lord. It says, Oh, that men would. Praise the Lord for His goodness. Oh, we praise the Lord because He rescues us when we feel lost in the wilderness. But secondly, if you're a note taker, we praise the Lord because He still rescues us even when we feel locked up like prisoners. Look at verse number 10. Because verse number 10 and following because the Bible reveals a tragic picture of those who are locked up in prison. By the way, those who are locked up in prison many times in a prison of their own making. Have you ever felt locked up and it's, it's actually literally a prison that you made yourself? You actually constructed the gate, you, you threw up the iron bars, you, you made it dark like a dungeon, and you just hopped right on in. You said, I think I'm going to go hang out over here in the darkness. That's not God's plan. Jesus said, he is the light of the world, not the darkness of the world. Notice what takes place in verse number 10. The Bible says, such as sit in darkness. This is a re reference to prison or the dungeon of the day. It says, such as sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, being bound in affliction and iron, because they rebelled against the words of God and contemned the counsel of the Most High. Therefore, he brought their heart with labor, brought down their heart with labor. They fell down and there was none help. Now, if you didn't catch it, I want you to, guys, if you'll go back and show verse number 11. Because let's read verse number 11 again. Because, see, this was all brought on because of their sin. Look at verse number 11. It says, because they rebelled against the words of God and condemned the counsel of the Most High. Do you know, um, Old Testament, fun fact for you, in 1 Samuel chapter 15, you remember God tells... Saul to destroy the Amalekites and Saul doesn't do it but if you go to 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 23 you find out very quickly that rebellion is a sin of witchcraft and and so and talks about idolatry as the iniquity of sin and, and on and on but what you find in that passage is that when King Saul rebelled and rejected the word of God it's kind of ironic it says when King Saul uh, rebelled and rejected the word of God God actually rejected him from being king. And here in the psalm, we find a picture of people who have locked themselves up in a proverbial prison because they rejected the word of God. You see, God is consistent. Today, many people struggle in prisons that they make all of themselves. You know a big prison that I find running rampant today in 2020? It's the prison of fear and worry. I'm so scared. I'm so worried. Can I as lovingly as possibly say that God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind? Now what does that mean? 
Thank you. Those who understand that verse, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power. The Holy Spirit is a spirit of power, not a Holy Spirit of fear. The Holy Spirit is a spirit of love, not a spirit of hate. The Holy Spirit is a spirit of a sound mind, not crazy ideas that have nothing to do with the Word of God. Right there for us. So guess what? You say, well, Pastor, have you ever been fearful? Absolutely. I've given testimony of how I was scared to death as a little boy. Every night I would go to sleep and I would try to make myself as flat as I could in the bed because I was afraid the boogeyman was going to come and get me. But guess what? I grew up and I put away childish things. Right? And I started walking by faith and not by sight. Does that mean that I never get fearful or concerned or worried? No. But each and every day that I feel myself struggling with this prison of fear and worry, I have to get down on my knees. I have to break down my heart and I have to call out on God and say, God, remove this fear from my heart. Remove this fear from my mind. Let me walk in power and in love and in truth. And that's only one little prison we make. Sometimes we lock ourselves up in a prison of jealousy, a prison of unforgiveness. Oh, we love forgiveness, but we're not very good at giving it to other people. Well, Pastor, you just don't know. I can't forget. Well, guess what? I don't forget either, and neither does Jesus. Do you think Jesus forgot when he was on the cross and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do? Do you think that he has forgotten that the world hated him? Do you think that he's forgotten that they basically rejected his message? Do you think that he's forgotten that they crucified him? No, he didn't forget it because it was his joy, the Bible tells us, to endure the suffering and the shame of the cross. Oh, the prisons of fear and worry and jealousy and unforgiveness. I don't know what your past hurt, what your past habit, or what your past hang-up is all about. But I can tell you that these self-imposed prisons are not what God has planned for you and me today. And can I tell you, when you make a prison of your own making, the shackles feel real heavy. Have you ever felt like you're really locked down real heavy? Can I tell you that we see that in the Bible? You remember, you may remember this. David, he sins with Bathsheba. We'll not go into the whole story. You remember? And he doesn't say a thing about his sin for about a year. We know the baby's already born. The baby out of wedlock. The baby's already born. And so he doesn't say anything, but the prophet Nathan comes to him and he gives him this story. And, and he's trying to figure it all out. And, and finally, David says, well, that man, this man, and he's telling all the things that he thinks that this man should, all the, all the consequences that should come to the man. And Nathan says, uh, excuse me, king, you're the guy in the story. Can you imagine Nathan? Like, I got to tell him it's him. What's the king going to do? I got to tell him, excuse me, king, you're the sinner in the story. In Psalm 32, and you don't have to turn there. I marked it because I want you to hear this. This is what David said about his sin. In Psalm 32, in verse 3 and 4, he says this, when I kept silent about his sinfulness, the prison of his own making, locked up like a prisoner. He says, when I kept silent, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. Verse 4, for day and night thy hand heavy 
he says, was heavy on me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. Oh, listen, my friends, we don't have to stay locked up like prisoners because just like the illustration that we find in this psalm, notice in verse 13, back in our psalm, this is what they do. It says, then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble and he saved them out of their distresses. Verse 14, he brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and break their bands in sunder. In other words, he set them free. If you're a Christian here today, you ought to know a little bit about that. Because you were locked up in a prison of sin. And the Lord has set you free. He has released you from your bondage. In fact, wasn't it Jesus who said in John chapter 8 and verse number 36, If the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Oh, my friends, there's no reason to walk in bondage to sin anymore. In Romans chapter 6, in Romans chapter 6, Paul writes, and he writes these words, he says, For he that is dead is freed from sin. We don't have time to go there, but I encourage you to turn on your own time today and look at what Romans chapter 6 has to say. And you can read, especially beginning in verse number 10, all the way down through verse number 18. Oh, my friends, just like those in Scripture, you and I are set free at salvation and you and I are set free from whatever it is that may be plaguing us, whatever it is that may be pulling us downward. I love Luke chapter 4 and verse number 18. It's actually a reference, if you please, to the prophet Isaiah, what the prophet Isaiah said about Jesus. But in Luke chapter 4 and verse 18, it speaks of Jesus healing the brokenhearted. It speaks of Jesus preaching deliverance to the captives, recovering sight to the blind and setting at liberty them them that are bruised. Oh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for all that He's done. Back in verse 15 of Psalm 107, the Bible once again calls the people to praise the Lord for His goodness and His wonderful works. And in verse number 16, the Bible tells us how they praise His holy and His worthy name because He broke their chains, because He released them, because He set them free from being locked up like prisoners. Oh, my friends, if you're feeling all locked up today, Jesus is the only one who will set you free from that bondage. It's like that song I remember as a kid, if you're happy and you know it. Well, I, I, I'm kind of crazy. I insert different words. If you're saved and you know it, clap your hands. And then if you're saved or happy and you know it, If you're saved or happy and you know it, say what? Say amen. And then if you really want to get crazy, I know it's the adult service, and, you know, if you want to do all three, amen. Clap your hands, stomp your feet, and shout amen. When was the last time you did that? Oh, praise the Lord. Oh, listen, how many times has he rescued? I wonder. I just wonder how many times he's rescued you and I from something even after you and I have rebelled against His Word. Oh, praise the Lord, He's our Deliverer. Number three, we praise the Lord because He still rescues those who are lying sick on their deathbeds. Look at verse 17 because the illustration continues with the history of the people that have been rescued. Look at verse 17. What a terrible way to start this verse, but look at it. It says, fools. We did a study of the word fools from the book of Proverbs a few weeks back. Look, it says, fools because of their transgression and because of their iniquities are afflicted. 
their soul abhorreth, or that word abhorreth means to loathe or detest. Their soul loathes or detests all the manner of meat, speaking of the word of God, they draw near unto the gates of death. Now before we go on, look back at verse 17 because it says fools because of their transgression. Well, here's the word transgression. In the Hebrew, it's the word pesha. It's actually the idea of rebellion against the very one that we owe allegiance to. In counseling, many times I break down the words of transgression, iniquity, and sin. And this word transgression in the Hebrew is essentially this idea of when we tell our child to take out the trash and our child looks at us and says, no, I will not do it. That's the idea of pesha or transgression. When God says, hey, here's the right way. I want to lead you out of the wilderness. I want to get you away from wandering. I want to take you out of that jail cell that you've locked yourself up. I want to get you off of that bed of affliction, so to speak. But what we do many times is when God says, here's the way to get healthy, we say, I will not do it. That's transgression. You also find in verse number 17, the word iniquity. That's the word avon, and it means to be twisted out of shape. Now, the illustration of that is if... Um, you were to tell Seamus, 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 like, great, I'm good to be the example today. Seamus, take out the trash, and Seamus takes out the trash, and Dad, he does a really good job, and you're real proud. You're like, look at my boy go. Seamus is taking out the trash, and he's like, Pastor Seamus never takes out the trash. All right, so he takes out the trash, and then Seamus would come, and he would be like, what do you give me? That's what we do sometimes with God, isn't it? God says, hey, Here's what's right. And so we do it, and then we come back, God, what do you give me? What do you give me, God? What do you give? I was a good boy. I, I got my gold star on today. I went to church today. I sang a song of worship for you today. God, what are you going to give me today? That's to be twisted out of shape. That's the idea of iniquity. You've devised something in your mind and in your heart that is so, so egregiously sinful. And then God speaks of it here. He says... He, he references, he says, fools. That's what he calls people. He says, fools, of their trans, because of their transgression and because of their iniquities, are afflicted. Folks, these people that we're seeing in Scripture are spiritually sick and near death because they disregarded word, because they disregarded God's word, and they also detested it. It was Hosea. Hosea said in Hosea 4, in verse number 6, God says, my people are destroyed. For the lack of knowledge. Oh, my friends, Proverbs 1 7 says, The fear of God is the beginning of knowledge. Oh, listen, the Word of God is the knowledge that we need for this day. 2020, things are waxing worse. And what's crazy is people are not turning to the Word of God, they're turning to everything else except for God. But the Bible is very clear in Psalm 119 and verse number 9. The Bible says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Oh, listen, Psalm 119 verse 11 says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Psalm 119, 105, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Oh, we need the word of God. But these people were lying sick in their transgression, in their iniquity. Soul sick, if you please. But what's the answer? Well, look at verse number 19. There it is again. 
Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and He saveth them out of their distresses. There it is, pray. They pray and they seek God again. They say, God, please forgive me. Now, by the way, their prayer at this point would have had to been something like 1 John 1.9. 1 John 1.9 that reminds us that He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Oh, it's the idea that they had a change of mind, that repentance idea. They changed their mind about the way they were doing things and they said, this isn't right. We have to confess our sinfulness and we have to call out upon the name of God. Oh, it's amazing to me to see God's sense of humor is on full display here in verse number 20. Look at verse 20. Verse 20 says, He sent His word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Now some of you are saying, what do you mean God's sense of humor? Well, look at the verse again. He sent His word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. You say, why is that God's sense of humor? Well, think about the preceding verse. They abhorred, they abhorreth, they detested God's word. That's what caused them to feel sick. And so God says, here's what I'm going to do. You guys are sick and you're calling out for help. I'm going to send the very thing that you were sick of to make you healthy. How amazing is God? He says, oh, the thing that you hated, the thing that you despised, the thing that you rejected, here, I'm going to make you healthy, but if you're going to get healthy, you're going to need to take a good dose of my word. Take two doses of my word and call me in the morning. Oh, my friends, it's so amazing to see the irony in Scripture. Proverbs 4 and verse 20 says and following, says, My son, attend unto my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thy heart, for they are life unto those that find them and health unto all their flesh. Oh, my friends, God's Word is the answer. His Word is the answer to the sickness of our soul. After being restored, praise is the correct response. Look at verse 22. The Bible says, And let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare His works with rejoicing. That's similar to what I shared last week. It's exactly similar to what I shared last week in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 15. And the Bible is very clear. It says, By Him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips. What's coming out of our lips? Giving thanks to His name. Oh, my friends. So incredibly important, this idea of praising the Lord. In Psalm 117, in verse number 2, the Bible states, For His merciful kindness is great toward us, and the truth of the Lord endureth forever. Look at how it ends. Praise ye the Lord. Because we're afflicted. Every one of us. We're afflicted of this deadly poison called sin. By the way, from which you and I could never recover without Him. We should praise the Lord. Lastly, and I close, we praise the Lord because He still rescues those who are laboring in the midst of stormy seas. Have you ever felt tossed about? Like you're out in the midst of the waves and the waves are crashing and knocking you from left to right, frontward to backward, and you feel, not only do you feel weary, you feel afraid, that fear comes in, that idea of fear and worry comes in, the idea of unsurety, you're not sure what your next step is going to be. And you're like, God, what do I do? I, I, 
this way, this way, this way. I don't know which way to go, Lord. I feel like I'm, I'm a sailor tossed at sea. I feel helpless. Well, notice what the Bible says in verse 23 and following. It says, they that go down to the sea in ships that do business in great waters, these see the works of the Lord and the wonders in the deep. For he commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind. Now just stop right there. For he commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind. If you're in the midst of the sea and the winds are blowing and the water's a little rough, guess who's in charge of it? He's still in charge. Say, well, that's why I'm so angry. God did this to me. He allowed this to me. What's the lesson? What's he trying to teach you? What's he trying to teach me? Oh, there have been stormy seas that I've navigated through in my life, and I've not been able to do it on my own. He's been there with me every step of the way. Notice, it goes on. It says, He commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind, which lifteth up the waves thereof. Look at verse 26. They mount up to the heaven. They go down again to the depths. Now watch, here it is. Their soul is melted because of trouble. Has your soul ever felt melted because of trouble? Watch verse 27. They reel to and fro. They stagger. There's that word again. They stagger like a drunken man, and they are at their wit's end. Have you ever been at your wit's end? Mom, dad, have you ever been at your wit's end? Parenting, 101, 201, 301, 401. It just keeps on going. <laughs> it doesn't stop, right? Oh, they were at their wit's end. My friends, before salvation, you and I were floundering in the midst of stormy seas, and after salvation, there are times when you and I are being tested and tried in the midst of these seas. And as usual, verse 28, look at verse 28. It gives us the answer. When they direct their plea for help, notice where they go. They go to the right direction. It says, then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble. Can I just say something real quickly? If we're too proud, because pride is a bad thing, if we're too proud to cry out to the Lord for help, then why would you ever expect his help? You say, well, I'm dealing with all this. And sometimes I'll say, well, have you prayed about it? Oh, pastor, what's that going to do? Uh, what? It's going to turn the heart of God. What's it going to do? Oh, listen, and if it doesn't turn his heart, maybe it's going to turn your heart. Sometimes it's just a matter of getting you in the right position so that you can deal with what's about ready to happen. Well, I've just been too busy to cry out to the Lord. Really? Huh. Folks, the psalm is a great reminder of no matter what you and I face, only the master of the winds and the waves, the only, only the master of the winds and the waves can bring us safely home. Look at verse 28. And following, the Bible says, Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and He bringeth them out of their distresses. Verse 29, He maketh a storm a calm, so that the waves thereof are still. Then they are glad. Are you see that with me? It says, Then they are glad because they be quiet. And so He bringeth them unto their desired haven. Folks, our Lord is the only one that can deliver let me say it again. Our Lord is the only one that can deliver. He's the only one that calms the seas. You remember the story in Mark chapter 9. 
in verse number 39, Jesus, he's asleep. Remember I jokingly said a few months back, Jesus was asleep in the back of the boat on his my pillow, and he's back there getting a little siesta, and the storms are going crazy, and the disciples come and say, don't you care that we're going to die? That's the paraphrase. That's the GC version. Don't you care that we're about to die? Jesus quietly gets up. He rebukes the wind. And he says, peace be still. Peace be still. And then right after that, we see in Scripture that the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. The master of the winds and the waves is the one who's going to deliver or calm the seas. He's the only one that brings about joy and peace and safety and success. I meet a lot of Christians who are looking for success. But sadly, they keep looking for success in all the wrong places. Success will only be found in a thriving relationship with Jesus Christ. Again, we see a reoccurring theme. For the fourth time, look at verse 31, and we're almost done. The Bible says, And oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. And here it is, man, oh man, verse 32. You probably aren't going to like this verse, but notice what it says. It says, Let them exalt Him also in the congregation of the people and praise Him in the assembly of the elders. Psalm 111 in verse number 1 puts it this way by saying, Praise ye the Lord, and I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. Friends, you and I are never instructed to simply hide in a corner while praising the Lord. Pastor, I'm going to go over here. I'm going to praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You see the verse? Look at verse 32 again. Verse 32 says, Let them exalt Him also in the congregation of the people and praise Him in the assembly of the elders. Folks, we ought to be honoring God publicly with our praise because of His wonderful works and His power in our lives. So can I just say this? When Taylor and the other ministers of music, and I can talk about ministers of music because my dad is one. When Taylor and the other ministers of music get up here and they lead us in congregationals, every mouth should be moving, every heart should be rejoicing, and every voice should be praising. <laughs> well, you all said amen. But can I tell you, and I know we got masks on, but that little mask ought to be moving like a little puppet's mouth. Let me give you an illustration of that puppy. Where is it? Where is that thing? I don't even know where it's at. Here it is. That mask ought to be moving with great vigor. Like, you know, <laughs> y'all see that thing moving. We ought to be praising the Lord. And yet, you know what we do? I shall not be moved. Folks, I'm afraid if we're too ashamed to praise the Lord verbally, I wonder how real our relationship can be with Him. As vessels, as vessels who were, and sometimes still find ourselves tossing to and fro in the midst of a tumultuous sea, which by the way, you may have a sea coming to you right around the corner, a tumultuous sea. As vessels who are still struggling to stay afloat, we should be eager each and every day to praise the Lord. 
flip one page, if you're like my Bible, to the very last verse of this psalm. Because God gives us a word of great counsel and encouragement in this one last verse. He says, Whoso is wise and will observe these things, these four illustrations that I just gave you, whoso is wise and will observe these things, even they shall understand the loving kindness of the Lord. Folks, no matter where you're at this morning, I want you to know that our great God is still on His throne. He sees you, He loves you, and He wants you to trust Him right there where you are. You say, well, I'm not, I haven't cleaned myself up yet. That's not your job. I, 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 don't, I, I don't do certain things. Guess what? Let God take control. Everybody's trying to get themselves fixed before they come to Jesus. No, that's Jesus wants to get you right where you're at. He'll do the changing. He works differently than what they call them makeovers. Well, I don't even know what they call those glam makeovers, whatever. <laughs> I don't know all that stuff. I've never had a makeover, as you can see. <laughs> I don't know that that stuff. That stuff. <laughs> But I know this, that he wants to come on the inside and he wants to clean this up, right? He wants to perform that heart surgery that we were talking about a couple of weeks ago on Wednesday night, Lord, where David said, created me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. He wants to, he wants to do open heart surgery on you. And you say, well, I'm a believer. You may still need open heart surgery. I'm, I, I've never trusted Christ. You need open heart surgery too. We all need surgery today. And God, you, you just may need to call out to the Lord and say, God, open up my chest cavity and create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit in me. And maybe that's your prayer today. Maybe that's what it needs to be. Maybe that's not your prayer, but that's what it ought to be. Can I tell you, the Bible says, whoso is wise and will observe these things, even he or they shall understand the loving kindness of the Lord. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, verse 1 says, for he is good and his mercy endureth forever. My friends, Jesus Christ is the God of miracles, the only one that will bring you out from the wilderness, the only one that will take you out of the bondage of chains and prison, the only one that will lift you up off that bed of affliction, the only one that will bring you safely into that home where you need to be out of those stormy skies and stormy seas is Jesus. And why not call on Him? Don't be proud. Don't be too proud to call on the Lord. Please, I beg you, don't be too proud. Say, well, what will people think? I've been coming to Battlefield for almost as long as Battlefield's been around. Who cares? If this is the day of salvation for you, then let it be the day of salvation. Do not fight the Holy Spirit. I got news for you, you will lose. Oh, my friends, I beg you to humble yourselves. I beg you to call upon the name of the Lord, to surrender to Him, and to see the goodness of God in the wonderful works towards the children of men today. Oh, that men would praise the Lord. I pray. This is my prayer for us as a church. That going forward, we would be a church that each and every time we see one another each and every day that we have, every time that we gather for worship, that we would be one unified body praising the Lord. And you say, well, Pastor, you just don't understand my circumstance. I probably understand it better than you think. 
Because I too have been lost. Wandering in the wilderness at times. I too, crazy as it sounds, I too have tried to lock myself up in prisons of my own making and then wonder why I'm locked up. I too have felt sick, so sick, as if I was lying on my deathbed. And I can tell you that even in 2020, there have been times when I have felt like I'm in the midst of a stormy sea and wondered, what, God, you are doing? What are you doing? What is this? Why, what are we doing? But you know what? I just have to keep trusting Him each and every day of my life. And I pray that's what you'll do today. Father, we thank you for your love. God, we thank you for your word and the encouragement that you give us to praise you no matter what we're facing, no matter where we've been, no matter how far or not far we've come. But God, we ask that you would, you would do a work in our heart, that you would do a work in our midst today. God, that we might be able to praise you with our whole heart, with our whole voice today and every day. Lord, maybe there's somebody who feels lost, somebody who feels sick, somebody who feels like they're laboring, somebody who feels locked up today. They've never called out upon the name of the Lord for the forgiveness of sin. Lord, I pray that you would reach down from heaven, that you would speak to them individually right now, that you would assure them of your great love, that you would remind them that it was because of your love that you sent and gave your only son to die on the cross for their sin, for my sin, for all of our sin, that whosoever would believe would receive Christ as their Savior. God, what a wonderful gift. God, I pray that if there's somebody listening, somebody watching, somebody in this room that's never trusted Christ, that they would simply call out upon the name of the Lord right now. They could do that by simply just admitting their, their need of a Savior. That they would just pray a simple prayer of asking you to come into their life. Maybe it would sound something like this, Dear Jesus, I realize that I'm a sinner. And the best I know how at this time and at this place, I don't understand it all, but I believe it. And so Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin. I'm asking you to come into my life. I'm asking you to come in and begin the change process, that makeover process from the inside out. I'm asking you to establish what only you can establish. Lord, thank you for saving my soul. Thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for enduring the awful wrath of God in my place. Help me to live a life that brings you honor and glory from this day forward. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like more information about our ministry, check out our website at battlefieldbaptist.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We'll see you next time.